Please share the word with you this morning. God is faithful to his word. We want to look at that today, especially in view of our text. Um, we're going to see today that God is faithful to redeem. He's faithful to send his prophet, faithful to send his mercy. We should follow the only, one and only faithful God. You've heard Pastor Brian say that uh, preaching should either uh, comfort the afflicted or afflict the comfortable. <laughs> so hopefully today I'm uh, on the comfort side. Comfort from God's faithfulness, specifically that he is faithful to his word. And as I thought about uh, this prophecy of Zechariah, <clears throat> uh, what really jumped out at me is God's faithfulness to what he had promised. He's the God who is faithful to his word, to redeem, to send his prophet, to send his mercy. <clears throat> so today I intend to um, have us drink in this passage, consider his faithfulness and redemption, sending a prophet and sending mercy. But first we're going to take a detour into what is, what is prophecy. I think that <clears throat> bears some attention here. And then <clears throat> there is a final exam um, <clears throat> on the bottom of your insert here. Uh, it's only six words, though, so uh, I'll tease you with that. You can be thinking about what is, there's one correct answer, and it's pass-fail. How much, does Moody have pass-fail courses? <laughs> Perfect score. So um, you can ask me later if you got your, if you passed your final exam here. Now in the storyline that we've been tracing through Luke chapter 1, uh, some of the main events to this point are that uh, there have been two angel appearances to uh, Zechariah in the temple and then Mary in Nazareth. Mary gives her song of praise. Then Zechariah has nine months to contemplate what is going to happen uh, with the birth of his first son. <clears throat> He's been thinking, what would be the first words out of your mouth if you couldn't speak for nine months? Wouldn't there be kind Quite a backlog of things that you'd like to say. So on the eighth day of John's life, he gets his first experience to uh, open his mouth and speak. And it occurs when he's asked, uh, what is the child's name? And uh, Zechariah on the tablet writes, John. And then it says, immediately he spoke, blessing God. He says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the Son shall visit us from on high 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amazing, that's what came out of Zechariah's mouth after nine months of silence. <clears throat> I think he was thinking about the faithfulness of God to his word. <clears throat> now he was trained as a priest, he thoroughly knew the scriptures, you know, what things would filter out and become uh, really at the forefront of your mind during nine months of meditation. Well, uh, among the many things here that he, that he expresses, certainly it is the faithfulness of God to his word. He spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old. He remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. So first a detour before we take a look at these three points here. Uh, it said that he prophesied. So it begs the question, what is prophecy? In the prophecy, Zechariah blessed God, so there was worship in his prophecy. He looked back into the past and reflected on fulfilled promises. He looked forward to the ministry of his son, John the Baptist, who at that point is eight days old. And so certainly prophecy can include worship. It can include reflection on, on the mighty acts of God, but it can also look forward to what God will do in the future. In Second Peter, we have a good word about prophecy. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along with the Holy Spirit. So Peter himself, speaking the word of God, defines what the Word of God is in terms of prophecy, and he says that men are carried along by the Holy Spirit. So prophecy, giving the Word of God, is not dictation, but it's inspiration. Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So I think about this as just like a water pitcher. It's empty. Whatever you pour in is what pours out. When Zechariah prophesied, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and the words of God poured out. <clears throat> it's, I think that's a pretty simple but uh, essential part of prophecy that the Holy Spirit fills and the word of God flows out. Consistent with what Scripture says elsewhere about what's in your life. It says, we speak out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever has been, whatever we poured into our hearts is what comes out of our hearts, specifically our mouth. Uh, if you, you don't need to be, uh, have an x-ray machine to find out what's in your heart. Just listen to what comes out of your mouth. Your own mouth, not other people. <laughs> now, here, this is inspiration for giving the word of God. I believe that that, type of prophecy ended with 
the completion of Scripture. I don't believe today that God continues to fill people and have them continue to give Scripture. <clears throat> However, the filling of the Holy Spirit continues today and it's essential for the church. We are filled and gifted to do the work of God, to build the kingdom of God, to build up the church. So even though the filling of the Spirit to give God's Scripture is completed, that has done, the filling continues <clears throat> and the gifts of God continue to build up the body of Christ. So it's just as important today to be filled with the Spirit so that out the outpouring builds up the body of Christ. Now, let, let's return to the three things that I saw here uh, in his prophecy. First, that God is faithful to redeem. Zechariah says, as he spoke, God, as God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. God promised redemption. 700 years before Christ was born, God promised in Isaiah 51, my righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. We just talked about prophecy. God's spirit pours in. His word pours out. The people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of man, nor dismayed, be dismayed by their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Isaiah receives this promise from God that in God's righteousness there will be salvation to all generations. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out. 700 years later, it happened. God fulfilled his promise. His salvation, his redemption took place. Next, God promised he is faithful to give us mercy. Again, Zechariah says, to show mercy, promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He's referring to Abraham and the covenant that was given to him. That promise was given 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah, 700 years before Christ. <clears throat> Abraham, 2,000. In Genesis 22, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemy. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, can you guess from the context? There's a hint here. What just what what event just preceded God's statement here? You, yeah, there's a hint here. Abraham had just offered his son. What a picture of Jesus! 
So what had just happened in the life of Abraham is followed by God's promise that he will send his son who will be offered. Incredible. Exactly the same thing. You just wonder what, what Abraham understood when he heard that promise. A voice from heaven promising him that in his, of his seed, of his descendants, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You wonder if he thought, the very thing that just happened in my life, God will do himself in the future. You wonder about that. I have no idea if that's what he's thinking, <laughs> but um, uh, that, that question comes to mind. Uh, um, what was Abraham thinking? Well, regardless of what he was thinking, uh, God promised, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. A promise given 2,000 years before it actually happened. Third, God is faithful to send his prophet. Again, Zechariah says, you, Zechariah is speaking about his son, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. John, the, his baby, becomes John the Baptist, of course. And in um, Luke, uh, rather John, chapter 1, John has begun, begun his ministry, and he's baptizing and calling people to repentance in the wilderness, in the desert. And so people from Jerusalem come and say, what's up with you? What, what are you doing? And he responds, so they... Those who came to ask said, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah had said. So there's, there's the prophecy again, the fulfillment of prophecy. What God promised 700 years beforehand. Now, as Zechariah raised John, did they talk about what had happened at his birth? I bet they did. Again, I don't know, but would Zechariah have told John about what the prophecy that he gave on his circumcision day? Zechariah says, For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people. John, beginning his ministry, when he's asked, Who, what, what? What are you doing? He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah had said. I think he learned a couple things from, from Zechariah, his dad. Zechariah believed the promise that God gave to Isaiah 700 years before. John does the same thing. You know, he, is, he is referring, like his dad did, to the promise of God given in Isaiah. Now, what he's saying is, make straight the way of the Lord. There must have been crookedness. You know, you, you're not told, straighten it out, if it's not crooked. So it begs the question, so what is crooked? What needs to be straightened out? John called people to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. The crookedness that John is referring to is sin. It's the corruption of sin. Sin makes crookedness here or destruction. 
it's, a, it's also referred to as the way of the Lord. It's a pathway, it's a roadway, it's, it's a highway. But the, the roadway is not very passable because it's crooked. You need to straighten it out. So I think the image is clear here. God's pathway into your life needs to be straight. If there's sin in your life, it's crooked and he can't pass through. I think it's, I think it's that simple. So what John is asking us is look at our lives. Is there a crookedness in your life because of sin? Do you need to come to the Lord and ask to be forgiven? So the pathway into your heart that God will travel is straight. What a great time, Christmas, what a great time to get rid of the crookedness in your life so God could enter your life at Christmas. Just as he entered the, the world as a baby at Christmas time. What a perfect time. If you have never considered the crookedness in your life and come to Christ and say, forgive me, straighten out my life, do it now, do it now, don't delay. It's the main event. We could teach you a million things here, but this is the first and most important thing. To receive Christ as your Savior, deal with the crookedness in your life. Make a straight path for God to come in. Third, God is faithful to send his mercy. Now, mercy is punishment canceled. If you're guilty and you deserve to receive a consequence and you're spared, you have received mercy. My career has been in the mercy industry. <laughs> Probation is instead of jail. You know, People that come into court and are guilty uh, can legally be thrown in jail. But the judge can grant you probation. He can give you mercy. He can spare you from the consequence of being locked up. Um, <clears throat> I've seen people react to that many different ways. <laughs> Some are incredibly grateful because they understand the, the mess that they made and that the, the court has granted them mercy. Other people aren't so sure that they're really guilty. and They're not very grateful. I think there's a spiritual parallel there. God is faithful to send his mercy that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show us the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. There's this promise again. That we be delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sun shall visit us from on high, to give light to all who sit in, dark, in the shadow of darkness, to guide our feet in the way of peace. You know, we're weak and we're human. You know, we need security. We need deliverance and forgiveness. He mentions so many human needs here. Security from our enemies. Peace. Light when you feel like you're in the dark. We live in a dark place. There's darkness in our lives sometimes. Sometimes in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our work environments. You know, we need light and we need peace and we need security. And God knows that and he's faithful to send us his mercy. 
we're considering the faithfulness of God to his word. Is anybody in charge? Yes, God is in charge. And we can see that when we see God speak and then fulfill his word. Recently at probation, we uh, talked with a fellow who uh, had an interesting tattoo. And he said, life is a gamble. And I thought that was an interesting commentary on his worldview, what, what he thought about life. I guess, from his point of view, you roll the dice and you wait to see what happened. You know? He saw his life as a random gamble, like a rolling of the dice. It's not true. It is not true. God is faithful to do exactly what he says. I want you guys to have comfort today because your life is not a gamble. You you are under the perfect shepherding of a faithful God. He will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Now, how do, how do we respond to this? I think grasping the character of God has a great impact on our lives. If you see God as this perfectly faithful God, you'll trust him. You'll follow him. We urge people to find and follow Jesus Christ. He is perfectly faithful. It'll impact your relationship with God. Specifically, he's faithful to his word. Get into his word. If you believe that everything that God said in the Bible is true and will come to pass, I bet you open it up. You'd be curious to see what, what he's got planned. Get into the word of God. Now, it's interesting that Zechariah, a professional religious person, <laughs> um, had quite a moment of doubt. <laughs> In fact, he got spanked. <laughs> You're not going to speak, you professional speaker, <laughs> for nine months. <clears throat> At one point, Zechariah encountered from significant doubt. God is merciful. So when we doubt him, God gives us his mercy. Zechariah doubted, but he returned to his faith. Have you made an unconditional commitment to follow God as he's revealed what he says about himself being faithful? So, um, I hope today that you're both comforted and challenged by the fact that God is faithful to his word. If you like, you can take the final exam, only six words, pass, fail, and uh, if you're curious, you can come and uh, ask me afterwards. Thank you.